Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready for some hot, steamy conversation? <laughs> I don't know about how steamy it is, but hot, yeah. <laughs> I had a fantastic relationship. This is Stephen, and I just want to share. Uh, yeah, I want to expound on that just quickly, because the real man. Good morning, and welcome to Coffee Talk. I'm Soy, host of the fastest-growing online talk show where we discuss real topics with real people in real situations. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and what a great morning it is. This is your host, Soy, inviting you and thanking you for joining me for another exciting conversation this morning. I'm trying to tell you that you just never know when God is going to show up in your life and show out. Well, people, let me tell you that on the show this morning we have some people who are in line to share some things with you where God has just showed up and showed out. We're going to talk about survivorship this morning and and what that means. I, I personally think that this word is not misunderstood, not unforgotten, but perhaps it's an understatement. That's what it is. Survivorship is an understatement because survivorship is tough. I think when we see the word survivorship, it should be in all caps. You know what I mean? Because to me it means survive her ship or possibly survive our ship because it's tough to be a survivor in anything. For example, can you imagine being out at sea, right, on a big yacht full of passengers, where you have a lot of responsibility for people's lives. And it's kind of how we are in our own lives or even in your own household, responsibility of others around you. And imagine some unforsaken nightmare happens, and you have to find a way to survive. You have to find a way to make it through the storm, and not just to save yourself, but to also save the others who are with you who are around you, who are looking to you for leadership, support, financially, emotionally, and you're trying to survive yourself. I'm here to tell you that that is like living hell. You are scared. There's darkness everywhere. And little to no signs of hope. Can you believe that? How many of you have actually taken a trip on a cruise and went out on the deck at night? And you're talking about darkness, baby, where you see nothing, and there is darkness for miles and miles and miles. And even beyond what your eyes could see, there is just darkness. And all you have is a glimpse. You better hope you have a glimpse of hope, and you have to find ways to hold on, find ways to hold on to love, hold on to your dreams, hold on to best practices, 
hold on to your faith. Oh, and even hold on to God when you don't even see him. You just got to trust that there is something out there that's going to bring you through. And once you begin to make it through, you begin to see that there's a method to the madness. There's a reason for the season. And trust and believe that there is a test behind every testimony. For those of you out there dealing with breast cancer, either a patient or advocate or caretaker, I will hope that this show this morning will make the burden easier for you. I pray that information shared will make the load lighter. I truly hope in my heart the road will be brighter and I could give you news you can use during your journey. We have a very special show today as we'll spend time with guests who are past cancer patient advocates, survivors, caretakers, who are going to be sharing their story with you. The first person in the cafe with me today is a woman who appeared on the show last year. Now, this woman, I call her Survivor Extraordinary. Yes, she is. She was diagnosed April 14th in 2014 with stage 2 breast cancer. This soldier or soldierette, underwent 16 rounds of chemo. Then she had surgery. Then a bilateral mastectomy. Y'all, she had her ovaries removed. 33 radiation treatments. And if that isn't enough, she was diagnosed to be on maintenance medication for the next 10 years. Well, she's here in the cafe with me today to share not just her journey, because if you want to hear the journey, then you can go back to Coffee Talk with Soy, go to the website, and check out our past show from last year. If you are my Facebook friend or in the Facebook group or visit the Facebook page, Coffee Talk with Soy, you will see that last year's show is posted. And she gives you a detailed week-by-week, day-by-day emotion by emotion path of what she endured and not to burden you, not to make your heart heavy, but really to educate and inform you. And for those of you who think you're the only one, you can see that you're not. For those of you who who just recently being diagnosed, you can hear the stories of someone else where you can find ways to alter some things that you may have to experience to make it better and lighter for you. If you are a caretaker, you may begin to hear some of the things that other women are experiencing so that you can better support the person that you're taking care of. Let me welcome to the show, Miss Darius Goodwin. Good morning, love. How are you? I am excellent. You doing okay? I'm good, girl. You doing all right this morning? Yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, thank you for, for coming back on the show and and, and sharing your your story and, and your testimony, it has been a long road for you in one year, I bet, huh? 
One year. A lot can happen in a year, right? Yeah. Does it seem like it's been more time? You know how they say time flies when you're having fun? Time flies. Does you it know, seem like it's been a year? It doesn't seem like it's been a year. It, it literally seems like it was yesterday. And it was crazy. It's actually yesterday, October 30th, was a year away from surgery for me. It was my one-year anniversary from surgery. So I woke up yesterday just like, whoa, this time last year I was being rolled into an operating room, and here we are a year later, and I'm, I got hair on my head and no breath still, <laughs> but I'm here, you know. I'm here, I'm breathing, I'm living, I'm whole. So it doesn't seem like a year has gone by. Did you ever think at, at some point that you would not be here? I did. When I first got diagnosed, I, oh, yeah, I, and that's the devil, that's the trick that the devil plays. You know, you, he will have you picking out your caskets, he will have you picking out the clothes. I had the clothes ready that my little girls were going to wear to my funeral. I knew the songs they were going to play. I did not think I would, I would live. I just, because I, I didn't know. I didn't have information. I wasn't armed. I wasn't educated yet. So, you know, mm-hmm. once I got to talking to doctors and talking to other survivors and things of that nature, it was kind of like, oh, wait, hold it. I'm going to be okay. You know, it's, it's still, you know, I'm okay. I'm great. I'm fine. I have a clean bill of health. Um, but even after it's all over, even after the surgeries and the treatments and the doctor visits kind of like taper off, you still have to live with the fact that you went through this and that you still have mm-hmm. to move forward from it. And so that is the new battle, if you will, when you come out of that. And you know what? And just like any battle, when you leave it, even though you may win, you may be victorious, there are scars in the battle. And some scars people scars. don't even see. You know, Absolutely. some people don't even see. And when you get in the mirror, and even if it's not physically a mirror where you can see yourself, when you go through a period of reflection and you think back, sometimes it, it just, it, it's so emotionally overwhelming because you begin to recall maybe emotionally, you know, the the, the scars. If, it may, if it's not physical scars on your body, you begin to think about the fears or, or the yeah. doubt or the relationships that were shattered or the ones that grew out of the battle, and it begins to just kind of overwhelm you. You, you know, do you ever feel like that? But absolutely. Here's what I want to say. There's a new study out that says it almost a little over half of breast cancer survivors are diagnosed with PTSD after wow. the battle, after treatment, like soldiers. Like soldiers who spent time in Afghanistan or in Iraq, breast cancer survivors are being diagnosed with PTSD at an alarming rate. And it's, I'm sure it's because you have been in a battle. You know, breast cancer is one of the only cancers where when you get it, they do really invasive and major surgery. You know, it's not just a matter mm. of going to get chemo. A lot of women lose body parts, such as myself. I lost my breast and my ovaries, you know. And so dealing with that, a lot of women can't come to terms with it. A lot of women struggle with decision-making in that. And then even once you make the decision, like me, myself, I made the decision to remove my breast. Oftentimes you, you look at when you first see yourself after surgery, when you first look at yourself and you see those scars and you remember what, how you once were, it is traumatizing. 
And so survivorship, how you were saying earlier, survivorship is, is not being over with treatment. Survivorship is living in the aftermath. Survivorship mm. is wading through the waters of, you know, God, I, I, I don't have breath anymore, and I don't look like a woman, and, you know, I don't have ovaries. I'm having hot glasses. What's happening? I can't have children anymore. It's, it's a huge, huge, huge battle even after the fact. The battle remains. The battle doesn't uh, wane at all in any way, shape, or form. Mm. And so I, I think that for most women, what I would want them to know is, you know, it, it is a battle. It is a war. And so after you win the battle of chemo and radiation and surgery, now let's move on to the battle of resuming life as normal or as, you know, a lot of us say, with a new normal. Now, when when we talk about resuming life as normal and moving on, literally in any kind of situation we think, well, let me get up out of bed, put my feet on the floor, and begin to put one foot in front of the other. What what was that like for you? How did you begin to uh, move on after the treatment, after the surgeries? What, what, how did you begin to move on? So I I have three little girls, and at the time when I was diagnosed, they were six, four, and I never wanted to lose any normalcy for them. So, you know, even in chemo and a bald head, I still took them to school. I still did homework. I worked all the way through chemo. I worked all the way up until I had surgery because I was determined to remain as normal as I could. But then after surgery, when I'm I'm off of work and I have to adjust to, like, a new type of clothing and a new type of movement, um, I really, really, really had to stay prayerful. Like, I probably prayed all day every day, just to ask God, like, give me the strength, give me the, the mindset, give me give me the wherewithal to know what I need to do day in and day out. And so what I found myself doing was keeping up with my same routine, even still. Like, even though my body had changed and my mindset had really changed as far as cancer, I, I my life, my children had to change, my husband had to change. So I took my new person and still went into my normal, my family's normal day. So I still took mm-hmm. them to school. I still went to church. I still I went back to work in the middle of radiation, kind of like you play Monopoly and it says, do not pass go, do not stop, do not collect $200. That's what I did. I didn't stop. I kept moving. I didn't, I didn't wait to get upset. I didn't wait to get angry. I just kept going. Now, now that now that's awesome, and and that could probably um, be a testament of either your faith, or your love, or your relationship with with, with your kids, or even your family support. Now, I'm sure that along the way you have run into women who did not have that, who did not have maybe children, and based on that information, was not going to have children, who maybe were not married or through their situation um, had become single or, or divorced. So did you ever run into women who had nothing to pull them through? I did. I did run into those women, and my heart ached for them because it was one of those things, like when I got diagnosed, what I found is once I shared it, once I put it out there, once I said this is what's happening to me, my my 
it my intention mm. was not the sympathy or anything like that. It was just to kind of like stare and like, hey, let's be aware. But what I found when I did that was there was this whole network of women who were survivors that rushed to my aid, you know, and they didn't care if I had family or not. All they knew were was they were going to be there for me, no matter what, no matter who I had and who I didn't have. And so I think for those women, like, what I would do is when I met them, I would, like, say, hey, you need somebody to take you to treatment. It would be somebody I never met before in my life, but I, I heard you have breast cancer. I'm gonna, I will take you to treatment. Like, what do you need? And so I would say to those women, when, if anyone offers you help, take it. Don't, this is not the time to be prideful. And if no one offers you help, if you feel like you don't want to share, at the very least find a group of women who will support you. And it's not because I'm survivors, but get close to those people who are who know exactly what you're going through. They, they know what you're going through. They know how you feel. Attach yourself to them. Even if you don't have family, they will become your new family. So the breast cancer survivors are a peculiar, peculiar group of women. They are the only women I know who will rush to anybody's aid no matter what. If they know you have breast cancer, they are running. Every last one of my met are like that. Yeah, I, I would really echo you you on that and, and really stress that it, this this disease is too big for anyone to think that they can make it on their own. Everything that we go through yeah. in life is not designed for us to stand up and say, I did it, because most people who are successful or who have survived most traumatic situations had a team of people to support them, and it doesn't always have to be family. So do not Absolutely. do a disservice to yourself by feeling that you are alone or that it is your fault um, or that no one else understands. There are lots of resources out there um, where you can reach out. There are 800 numbers. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm even a part of uh, American Cancer Society, and I and I um, provide telephone and support assistance for those going through lymphoma, which is the, the cancer that I advocate for, and they, they pair us up with people who are new, and you don't know when you're going to get the call. And there are people out there who, like me, who've been doing this longer than I have, who are of great service to those in despair. And sometimes it's not until yeah. everyone leaves and, and, and the room is quiet that the reality hit you on what you're about to endure, but you don't have to deal with it alone. So I add on what you said about reaching out, getting help, um, because when you begin to educate yourself, you begin to empower yourself. Absolutely. 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 So when it's all said and done, I think that what people don't realize is, you know, cancer is a formidable foe. It really, really is. But my, I remember my surgeon saying to me when I first got diagnosed, she said, do you want to know how to beat this? And I said, absolutely. I want to know. And she said, look, this is what you do. She said, you acknowledge that this is a formidable foe. You acknowledge that this is a worthy adversary. You acknowledge that this thing could possibly kill you. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it, wallow in it, and then get up and fight like hell. Get up and live. Because when it's all said and done, your fortitude has to be bigger than cancer. Your dreams have to be bigger wow. than cancer. Your wishes have to be bigger than cancer. Your will to live has to be bigger than cancer. 
You know, mm-hmm. cancer is simply little rogue cells in your body running around gangbanging and trying to get everybody to join that gang. But you can be bigger than that. Like, that's my <laughs> take on it. Like, you just, you know, I know it's not as simplistic for everybody, but when it comes down to it, you have to at some point in time be able to say, F you, cancer, you know, bring it. What you got? Mm-hmm. And, and keep it moving. My 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 motto has has been through, through my struggle and through my fight is 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 to live on purpose. When I know when I was going through it, I realized yeah. a lot of people were fighting for um, medical for for the stamp of approval to say you're in remission, and, and, and it does yes. help. It does. I'm not going to tell you it does help, but um, there are some people who will have cancer the rest of their life. They have to be on some yes. kind of medication, or you know or dealing with some situation where it's going to always be there, but it doesn't always have to guide your life. And and, yeah. and that is what I advocate for, to live on purpose. I don't care what they say, regardless of what they say. Get up every day and live the best life you can live based on what you have. Live regardless yeah. of that. My, and, and learn to embrace those limitations. You know what I mean? My grandfather has been living with prostate cancer for 20 years. 20 years. He's 80. He's 85 years old now. He's been living with prostate cancer for 20 years. And a lot of people think, like, oh, I thought he was in remission. I'm like, no, he's never been in remission. He has been mm-hmm. living with it. But when I say he li- he is living, he is traveling, he picks my kids up from school for, from school for me every day. This is their great-grandfather, my grandfather. You know, it's, it's like, okay, yeah, I got prostate cancer. Now uh, what are we going to eat for dinner? You know, it's just. It just is. It, you either accept it as a part of your life and do all you can to have it not be a part of your life, or you know, fight to get rid of it. But either way, live purpose. Live with a purpose. Wow. Now, now you you have that kind of um, guidance before you. You you have no choice but but to keep going. That that's a great role model you have um, in terms of dealing with this. That's awesome. Yeah. You're lucky. Yeah. You're lucky. But so, you know, I think it's in my DNA. So I'm pretty sure. My mom has lived with um, my mother has lived with lupus for 20 years. You know, in, in 1995 oh. they told her she would live seven years, and it's been 20. So it's like it's, I don't. I, it's whose report will you believe? You know. You're bred it from a family uh, of fighters. So now, yeah. so now, one year later, what's going on uh, with you today? And I understand you made some changes since your um, since your diagnosis. So before the show ends, let's quickly update them on on your health situation and the decisions you made about health care. So I had initially said, uh, long story short, that I would not reconstruct once I removed my breast, and um, I probably really spoke too soon because I never considered my daughters. I have three daughters who are now seven, five, and three, and they are well aware of of their bodies as women and my body as a woman and things of that nature. And I remember coming out of the shower one day and have really been hiding from my children, hiding my scars, hiding how I looked. I didn't want to alarm them or scare them, but my four-year-old at the time, now five, saw me. And she said, Mommy, what happened to you? And I'm like, oh, I had surgery. And she was like, but 
are they going to grow back? Talking about my breasts. And I said, no, they're not. And she says, well, am I going to get mine cut off? And I'm like, oh, my God, no, I didn't consider that. I never thought that you would think that, you know. So I have decided, based off of conversations with them, conversations with my husband, I've decided to actually go ahead and reconstruct, which I'll be looking to do in, like, early 2016, around January, February, just mainly because why wouldn't I? You know, it's just my girls were affected uh, adversely, and I had not thought about it. And so, you know, my husband said to me, he's like, look, you breastfed them. They know what breasts are. Maybe you not having them tells them something is wrong. Maybe if you get them back, they'll know and understand the things wow. like that. So wow. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Never thought about feel that. that. I never considered yeah. that. Wow. You know, big girls. They're big girls. Wow. You so you you sound. Um, what, what 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 other? No 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 no. No, no what other? That and other? and and maintenance man. Just I'm on something called okay. Eliminex for the next ten years. One pill a day that I take um, to uh, inhibit any extra hormones that may be running through my body because my cancer was. And they, they've done studies that say, oh, if you take it for 10 years, you should be really in the clear with this cancer thing. So I take a pill a day for the next 10 years. But other than that, I only see my doctor now every six months. So expectations have, have you, are positive. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome for you. And, um, Definitely praying on, on on a full, full, full recovery with all those expected plans you have in terms of reconstructing your body. In any um, what in, in hindsight, before we close, there is what would you say that um, do you want to share in terms of like things that you wish you knew prior to this? Um, I wish I knew before this that everything was going to be okay in the end. I didn't know that in the beginning. I didn't know that when I was starting out initial doctor's appointments and things like that, I didn't know that everything would be okay, and I wish I knew that. Even though people told me, I wish I knew it to have believed it for myself. Um, I wish I had known that, you know, I would find out who my real friends were, I lost friends, or at least people who I thought were my friends. I wish I had known that there would come that this diagnosis would also bring clarity in my life about a lot of things that I might have been um, on the fence about or in doubt about or just not in really, um, not really just being solid on my decision-making about cancer clarified a lot of things. I wish I had known that I was going to get that mm. because I would have done a little bit more with it. But... Um, through it all, I guess, you know, it's, I guess I, I, I wanted to know, I would have wanted to know that life will be okay, that you will move forward and you will move forward and goodness and be, and be fine and be completely fine. You will come out better than ever. Well, kudos to you for um, sharing that information 
praises, praises to you, lady, for, for all that you have shared and, and that you're doing and continue to do in, in the lives of others by, by sharing your story. So thank you so much for being on the show this morning and praying and, and wishing that um, God continues to let you be a light to those who are dealing with um, breast cancer, either as a patient or as an advocate. I, I hope that the information we shared on the show today will, will help inspire and enlighten others in the walk. Today's a good day. It's always a great day when we can wake up, sit up, put your feet on the floor, and put one foot in front of the other. Uh, kudos to all of our breast cancer survivor extraordinaries, is what I call them, because you're walking the path of, of greatness. Continue to do that and lean on God, lean on the Lord, and lean on people who are in your social circle or your spiritual circle, or your family circle. Let them love on you, help you, and guide you. It's been a great day for me to hear this information and to be able to share it. God is awesome. Coffee Talk with Soy, your new morning show where we inspire everyone to live healthier, happier lives. Visit the website, coffeetalkwithsoy.com. I'm on social media handles, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, you, you name it, I'm out there. Reach out to me and leave your comments on the website so I can know how you enjoyed the show and if it's working for you. Have an awesome Saturday. We'll see you right here next week on Coffee Talk with Soy, your new morning show. Bye-bye. <laughs>